Coming up on this edition of Locked on Wizards, Matt Babcock, NBA draft analyst, is back on the show for part two as we break down some of the top prospects in the draft class for 2020, looking at some players, how we think they're going to adjust into the league, and much more here on Locked on Wizards. You are Locked on Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Wizards as we have Matt Babcock, NBA draft analyst, back on the show today as we continue our deep dive into the prospects in this 2020 class. Yesterday, we were talking around just what we expect from this class, especially not having had a normal time period and and schedule leading up to the draft. They didn't have a chance to have March Madness and have their college postseason. They haven't had a chance to have the usual workouts in front of agents and testing and, and meeting with teams in person. And then on top of that, the draft has been backed up. It's changed everything for this 2020 class. Definitely a class we will never forget. And now we've got to get a deeper dive into just what to expect from some of these prospects coming into the league and how they're going to transition into the the professional level. So Matt, welcome back to the show. Happy to have you back here for part two. Let's get into some of the players that we were talking about yesterday in a little bit more detail. Looking across the top players right now that you have discussed in terms of the draft order, you know, I want to go player for player and really break down um, just, just a few of the top guys that you have predicted to be picked starting with Anthony Edwards out of Georgia at six, five at, at what he's been able to do with the Bulldogs. Um, what do you see him bringing to an NBA team? That's going to allow him to transition well into the league. I'm going to just pick your brain a little bit for each of these top sure. players. Um, yeah. The, so the, the, the Ant-Man, they call him, uh, he's an interesting, interesting prospect. And uh, I mean, had a really up and down season. I was actually in Maui uh, at the Maui Invitational and, you know, I, expectations were so high for him going into the season, com, coming out of high school. And I went in, and that first game at the Maui Invitational, he was so bad. And uh, the second game started, uh, first half, he, he was garbage again. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, what am, what am I going to do on my mock draft? Like, this guy is like, I'm watching him slip right, right in front of me. Uh, then the second half, he scored 33 points on Michigan State. And it was probably the best half I'd ever seen a college prospect, uh, you know, performance ever. And so, uh, you, mm. you know, and then I've watched him a couple of t- other times live throughout the year. And, you know, it was just frustrating because it was just very up and down. But he'd have these moments where he'd turn it on and, and you, could, you could foresee the guy being a superstar. And uh, so, I mean, to me, he's got the most upside in the draft. Uh, I think he still needs to mature as a player as far as just, you know, better shot selection, decision making, applying himself on the defensive end. You know, typical, typical like young guy type issues. Uh, you know, but I mean, the way I always look at it is a guy that has raw talent, um, you know, but has a lot of things that need to, to be addressed. It, it's a lot of risk because he actually has to do it, you know? And, uh, and so, and so, right. I mean, you know, depending on the team, uh, I mean, if they're, if they're, you know, dependent on him coming in and being a star right away, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's probably going to, you know, similar to how his freshman year was, he's going to have his moments of big games, probably going to have, you know, decent numbers, probably low, low shooting percentages, turnover rate, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, so he's not a sure thing, but he's probably got the best chance of being a star in this draft. Yeah, and I like the fact that you bring up the inconsistency because that is really a young 
a young issue that you often see where players maybe are used to being able to turn it on and off when they want, maybe especially coming out of high school. If they were at a, in a high school program or an AAU program where they were the best player and they could go into games and not always have to bring the, the same level because maybe their opponent wasn't as good, you do see those tendencies and habits that coming into the league are something that they need to fix. And it's a question of, will they fix it though? So, you know, if someone like the Ant-Man comes in and has the right pieces around him and the coach is going to push him and players are going to push him and get him to understand that he has to bring that talent and level consistently, that's a different player than if he comes in and isn't playing as, as well on a, on a regular basis for what it starts to do to your confidence and starts to do to you as a, just as a professional to not be able to be someone that a team can rely on. We see players, I think of Paul George in the Clippers run in the playoffs this year that were just so inconsistent. You don't want to be a player that gets that the that name around being someone that you can't count on in big moments. So I, I definitely am interested to see how he's going to translate in. But then also, as you mentioned, with the team that he's on, if he's going to be having to take on a lot of the carry the load and take on a lot of the um, scoring responsibilities. Is he going to be able to do that consistently? We, we don't know. Um, so yeah, that'll be very interesting to watch. Yeah. And I think, uh, All right. sorry, 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 cut you off, but yeah, I think you bring up a good point too. I mean, you know, Anthony Edwards is, is a perfect example uh, of just sort of some of the issues we have with high school basketball. I mean, like, you know, a lot of these kids, they play, they yeah. play, they play for the wrong reasons as far as playing for highlight tapes and stuff like that. And, you know, the, all, all the hype and, uh, you know, we, he's a perfect example of that. He's created a lot of bad habits of taking bad shots and granted he's, he's capable of making incredible plays and incredible shots. Doesn't mean it's the right way of playing though. And I, I just think the biggest thing for him is he's got, he's just got, you know, learn to become more accountable um, and just make the easy plays. And uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about LaMelo Ball here in a second, and it's going to be a similar story with him. Well, you know what? You actually bring up a great point there that make, I'm going to take it one step further before we keep going back into the other prospects in that we're also seeing a shift in the draft class, like in terms of the, the generation that they're in. So from, even for me, when I was coming up, I mean, I'm only 28 years old, when I was coming up as a player, green, I played soccer. Nobody is really doing highlights as much for soccer as they are for basketball. Um, but I remember when I was going through the process of getting into college and even getting into the professional level, you know, the highlights that you're putting together, it's, you're just piece. It's not as big of consistent highlights. You might put together like some highlights to send to a scout or send to a college coach, but because we live in such a digital age, players like we know LaMelo ball what made him most famous aside from being a ball and being one of the ball brothers is the fact that we were seeing his highlights from such a young age that classmates were taking videos and they were going viral or his dad or whoever like all across YouTube all across social media this generation is part of the social media heavy generation where highlights are not just being sent to scouts or being sent to college coaches, but they're also going viral on social media. It's let me take these highlights and put them on my Twitter or my Instagram or whatever it may be. And now I have all this, you know, you're doing it more for the fame and more for the fans and the likes rather than as you talk about, you're not playing to, to just play, you're playing for the highlight. Yeah. So I, sure. it's actually like a shift we're seeing right now. I feel like because of not to sound old, but the young kids uh, <laughs> that are now more focused more on getting likes and, and being social media famous rather than going out and just playing the right way the entire time. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's really not anything new. I mean, you know, I'm a little bit older. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm in my mid thirties. And when I was coming up, you know, and, and one mixtapes were huge. And 
Um, oh, yeah. You know, I was actually just talking to my cousin last night who, who's uh, on the coaching staff with the Sixers, and we we're just kind of talking about our era of growing up in high school and college and some of the bad habits that were created with, you know, with our, ourselves and, and our teammates as far as, you know, trying to make fancy plays and all that. And so it, it's not anything new, uh, you know, as far as young, young kids being, you know, impressionable. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would like to, you know, see some of these guys. You know, I mean, you sort of bring up, okay, everybody's you know, putting out these highlights, and, and we're guilty as charged, too, on, on Babcock Hoops as, as far as putting together highlights of, of why we're excited about certain players. Uh, but with Edwards and Ball specifically, um, you know, the highlights are impressive. If we were to do low lights, though, it would be pretty alarming to people, I think. And, and so it's, uh, you know, it's guys like that, it's just, okay, the upside's there, but they, they need to address certain things and kind of grow up as players. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course it's being, being more interested in creating highlights as you talk about and on Nick's taste, I forgot about that. Um, it's definitely nothing new, but it's only like growing even more in, in a way. But, you know, I do think that, as you mentioned, that growth, that maturity, that's something that all players coming into the league, you have to start to, to wonder and, and you just watch to see how they're going to make that mental growth as well because it's not just all physical it's not all just about being stronger and being able to keep up with the pace of the game it's also about having the mentality that's going to allow you to transition into the, the NBA and be ready to take the big stage and perform so coming up we continue taking a deep dive into the NBA draft class looking at some players coming in to the NBA how they're going to transition and much more here on Locked On Wizards let me talk to you guys about Built Go. Yes, I've talked to you about Built Bar before, the world's fastest growing protein bars, which bring you those delicious, healthy snacks. Well, now we have Built Go, brought to you by this same company, bringing you a nice boost to get you through that mental or physical wall that you face through the day. And what I like about it is instead of having a can or a large bulky bottle or anything like a monster drink or five-hour energy, you can put this right in your bag, your purse, your briefcase. It's easy and it's delicious. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint that I have had the chance to try and you will not regret tasting them. Plus, there's no crash. You don't have as much caffeine. You don't feel like you hit a wall like you do with most energy drinks. And what makes it better, not only does it help you feel good, it also literally makes you look better. It's got collagen, which helps promote joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. It has proteins that are fast absorbing so it gets into your system fast and it's also easy on your stomach all that you need to help get you going throughout your day and if you head on over to builtgo.com use promo code locked and you'll get 30 percent off your next order that's promo code locked for 30 percent off at builtgo.com let's go what are you waiting for go feel better break through those mental and physical walls so type in that promo code locked for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Who else gets annoyed every day, come lunch or dinner time, wondering what am I going to eat? You don't feel like cooking, you've got a million emails to read, you've been busy with work and swamped, and you have so much going on and your stomach's growling and you don't know what to eat. Well, let DoorDash take care of your next meal if you want. Chinese food, pizza, froyo, anything you have taste for, you can order it through DoorDash. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely and there are thousands that are open for delivery on DoorDash that you can now call, order, and now let them do the work for you. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. You've counted on them, and now they're counting on you. So while their dining rooms may be closed, and maybe you don't really feel comfortable going out to get food, or you're just 
don't feel like getting off your couch and changing out of your pajamas, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. So DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering's easy. Just open up the app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely right outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. So with over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos. Anything from restaurants, Chipotle, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory, you name it, they're on DoorDash delivering contactless to your front door. So call right now and anyone that's listening can get $5 off, zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. So don't forget that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Draft day will be here before we know it, November 18th, unless that day changes, is right now the tentative date for the 2020 draft. So let's start getting into some more details around the specifics of the players, how they're going to transition into the league. We've got Matt Babcock, draft analyst here on Locked on Wizards, joining me, Renee Washington, as we've had part one and we're talking through the NBA draft, and now getting a deeper look into some of the players within this class. So let's get into LaMelo Ball, actually. Um, We know that we've seen him playing internationally. Of course, his time down in Australia was much better as we saw his growth and saw his development. And he even talked about that being an opportunity for him to really come into his own. You know, coming into the NBA now, making another transition in, having someone like your big brother to look up to that made that transition as well, you know, what are your thoughts on LaMelo Ball's ability to come into the league and be someone that's going to pl- be able to play at a high level? You know, he does some great things, and, and, he, and he's grown, uh, you know, physically grown. I mean, you know, they, they list him at 6'7 now. So, I mean, I, I don't know if he's quite that tall in, in reality, but he, he's got good size nonetheless uh, for a point guard and you know, really good ball handler, natural playmaker, uh, you know, plays with a certain flair in, in good ways at times. And like I mentioned before, he just needs to mature as a player. I think his decision-making – uh, can, can be off sometimes, or, you know, tries to make the hard play quite a bit and uh, de- definitely does not commit himself on the defensive end. Uh, and even, even if he did, I, you know, I think his physical limitations are, are going to keep him from being a very good defender. He's not, he's not very, you know, physical. Uh, he's not all that athletic. Uh, he's more of a coordinated, skilled player uh, with, with good size rather mm-hmm. than, you know, being a quick twitch type type guy. Um, and then just, you know, I think, you know, growing up, uh, you know, in his family and, and sort of that that circus, uh, I'm a little worried about, you know, some of the entitlement. I've gotten some heat for saying that publicly, but it's a real thing, you know, and it's just, I mean, you know, he did, uh, he had a big media session yesterday, press conference deal, um, and, and somebody asked him about his shooting mechanics and, um, you know, his, his shooting mechanics visibly are, are, are not very good. And he, he shot the ball from outside at a very low rate. And he pretty much said, I don't need to change my shot. And so that's just an example of one thing of why I'm, oh. I'm worried about him a little bit is, okay, is this guy going to be coachable? Does he think he's better than he is? And I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about, about that. Um, Grant, he's got, a, he's got a ton of talent. It, it might click and he might be a really great player. I don't think this is a deal where this is a surefire, this guy's an absolute star. I think there, there is some, some things to be concerned about with him that need to be addressed. Uh, and that, you know, that could be said about most, most players that, that are around his age. Uh, but yeah, he's, I, I'm not 100% sold. I mean, I, I would take him, you know, in the top, top part of the lottery, 
uh, but it's not, he's not a sure thing in, in my, in my book. You know, I, I honestly have been with LaMelo Ball feeling the exact same way where I don't even know if it's just a matter of what he can do as a basketball player, as much as it is a matter of what he's willing to do as a basketball player. You know, I don't think it's a talent thing. I do think it's more mental with him. Now I did like what I heard him saying around his dad because LeVar Ball has been speaking about how he doesn't think Golden State's a good fit for LaMelo and, you know, you know, talking about the draft and everything. And LaMelo was saying he's his own man. And he kind of was like standing up for himself and, and saying like, no, like, you know, I'm, Whatever I wherever I go, I'm gonna I'm gonna want to play, and so I I enjoyed the fact that he was more focused on the fact that he has his own opinions. He you know his dad that's my dad, but this is me. It's it's I'm not the same person. So you know I think that we might be seeing him um, if he is willing to step into his own instead of carrying on that entitlement. But also as for me, as I keep going back to is at the end of the day, this is someone that's not new to this stage like yes he's new to the stage as a player but having watched Lonzo go through it and having been in the spotlight sometimes players just aren't as humble and as appreciative of this opportunity someone when I look at like a Bam Adebayo for example as we're watching the NBA playoffs someone like Bam Adebayo who's comes from humble beginnings and he's he, he keeps and cherishes the fact that his mom was a single mom raising him in a trailer and he still carries that with him and that's what he's playing for you know, when you don't have that same motivation, sometimes I feel like it gets a lot easier for you to get distracted because you don't remember, you don't have the same um, adversities and challenges that you've had to overcome. I'm not saying you had to be poor in order to appreciate being in the NBA, but being in the spotlight in a different way, you know, being that he's, the Ball family has had their own show and he's been in, Lonzo brought them, you know, had them in the spotlight. You have to wonder how much he's going to come into the league feeling like, I already, I know it, I know it. I Kind of like the little brother. I have a younger brother who's always like, I know. Like, I know, guys. I know everything. We're like, no, no, no. Like, we're not just telling you this because we want to be bombarding, nagging older sisters. Like, we, we're telling you this to help you. And I wonder how much LaMelo might have that same younger sibling mentality of, I know it all, versus I'm ready to learn whatever's needed to be able to be a better player. Yep. So that coachable mindset is something that I know I've, I've been wondering back when he was in high school, to be honest. Sure. sure. No, I, I agree hundred percent. And I mean, it's not one of these deals that, you know, I, I try not to be too negative on any of these players. It's not like I'm rooting against them. I'm rooting for them. Uh, but yeah. it's just, you know, I have no doubt he's going to step in and he expects to be good. He has high expectations for himself. He's got a lot of confidence. I don't think he's scared of anything, uh, which is, you know, things that have made, made him a good player up to this point and they're going to continue to right. help him, but it's a fine line there because, you know, and this, this happens with all rookies, is how, how is he going to handle adversity? How, how is he going to handle a coach yelling at him or benching him for, exactly. for not playing defense? And, um, you, know, you know, the guys that are able to handle, handle tough love and, and get better are the ones that truly succeed. And that's where the question, I mean, we're kind of being repetitive here now, but like that's where, that's where my question marks are with him is how, how is he going to handle that tough love? How is he going to handle like veteran teammates, you know, jumping him on you know, defensive mm-hmm. breakdowns and stuff like that? And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure it's going to be great. Yeah, no, I'm I'm interested to see how it all plays out. I definitely think he has the talent and I'm definitely curious to know how he's going to translate in with more of the mental side as we're talking about the off floor uh, coachability and, and being a team player in that sense. But I definitely think he has the potential. So moving along, though, as we continue through this list, let's get into Obi Toppin out of Dayton. A10 guy representing for the A10. I'm an A10 grad myself. 
Um, but coming out of Dayton at 6'9", someone that has definitely been on the radar for many, I am interested to see if you have the same comparison for him that I do. There's a player that I think he reminds me so much of, and before I give it away, I want to see if you um, either bring up this player or, or talk around this player. But what are your thoughts on Obi Toppin and how he's going to transition into the NBA with his I won't even go into more. I don't want to lead you. Okay, I want to okay. go ahead. What are your well, thoughts uh, on Obi Toppin? Yeah, no, I, I, I love Obi. I mean, I've been high on him from, from the get go, really. I mean, you know, it was interesting, uh, you know, last, last year he put his name in the draft. It didn't even get invited to the combine. And uh, I, I didn't see him live that, that year, but uh, I watched a film in the summer and kind of talked to my guys. I'm like, Hey, am I, am I missing something here? Like this guy is legit. And so we went into this year's draft, our, our first mock draft. And I believe I had him, um, like I think like in the late teens, which he wasn't even really on anybody else's mock drafts. And, uh, I, you know, like, as I mentioned, I went to the Maui Invitational, which, the, you know, Dayton was there and I, I'd moved them all the way up to 13. And I, I've told the story a number of times on interviews, but I ran to Schmitz from, from ESPN and we're kind of just, you know, just catching up before the game. And I told him, Hey, I got, I got a lot of pressure on me with this Obi Toppin kid. Like I just put him at 13 and like, I, I need, I need him to do well. Cause my next on the line here, the, the kid just tore it up. I mean, he was unbelievable. And, the entire NBA was there. And um, I, mean, I think from there, we, we put him up to like number four and he you know, really, really never looked back. I mean, he's just, he's such a, he's such a dynamic player offensively. So, so athletic, shoots the ball from outside and, and a great teammate. You know, he's, uh, he's a little older, which I think, you know, his maturity is, is helped there. And um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Obi. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing the, the comparison you're going to have is, uh, is Amari Stoudemire. Am I right? Oh, actually, no. It, uh, Actually, no, but you know what? I kind of, I like that one. I, I like that comparison to a young Amari Stoudemire. Yeah. Who, who, so who's yours? Oh, okay. Mine is actually Jason Tatum. Okay. Yeah. No, he's, he's more of a big guy than Not because they look alike. Right. Right. He's, he's more of a big guy than Tatum. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can see that a little bit. You know, the guy that I think is probably a little bit more reasonable because I mean, you know, Amari Stoudemire in his prime, I mean, he was one of the best players in the league. That, that might oh, be Phoenix fair. son Amari. Yeah, yeah. You know, that might not be fair to, to OB. Uh, I, I think he might be a little bit more on like the John Collins level, you know, where you know, he's going to be like a borderline mm. all-star, which I, I think, and that's not, I mean, I think that's a great comparison because I mean, John Collins is probably going to be a max, max level player uh, you know, after this next year. And uh, so that, that's kind of how I see Obi, but I think he's gonna be able to step in, uh, you know, be a really good player on a team day one. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he were, if he were rookie of the year, uh, sort of the opposite of what we were talking about with Anthony Edwards and Lamella ball. I, I do think he's, he's a sure thing to at least be a very good NBA player. Uh, I, you know, I think he could end up being, you know, somewhat of a star type guy. Uh, but, you know, the, the kind of like the confidence level that I have that he's going to be effective day one is extremely high. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, the reason I say um, Jason Tatum is more along the lines. And actually, I like the John Collins comparison because I don't think he's got the physicality fully of Amari in his prime. But I think that for me, it's just his his versatility. And that he also is someone that, in my opinion, is going to be kind of a like if I had to pick a, a sleeper, I know we're saying he's in the top five. So I don't know how much of a sleeper that makes him. But I think he's someone that we're going to see, as you mentioned, be able to come in, being that he has actually a lot of what you touched on already. The maturity he's developed, he's he's a little bit more primed, in my opinion, to make that next step. But I do think he's going to be someone that's not going to bring that that dog physicality of what an Amari Stoudemire brings. But I, I say Jason Tatum more in the temperament, mm -hmm. I guess you can say. Um, where Jason Tatum has the ability to, to take over games and then has the ability to also kind of disappear and go a little cold. So I think that Obi is someone that is not going to be, you know, a, um, an, a Hall of Famer type player, although who knows? You never know actually how this players develop. But he's going to be someone, I like that John Collins comparison, to be able to come in and be 
you know, a, 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 a consistent, maybe competing for a starting spot or a six man or, you know, someone that is kind of like an all rookie team player. So that's a good one there. I like that actually. So coming up, we continue getting Matt's thoughts around the class of 2020. NBA draft analyst Matt Babcock on Locked on Wizards joining me, your host Renee Washington, as we are talking through the 2020 class. So switching over into Nova, let's get into Sadiq Bey coming out of Nova, who as a two-way player coming from playing in, at Nova, we've, we've seen what Coach Wright is, is able to do with his players coming into the league. What are your thoughts on him heading into the NBA? Yeah, I really like Sadiq. I mean, he's been the guy, you know, that, that sort of chipped away at me all, all, you know, throughout the whole process of evaluating him. And, uh, you know, a guy that works with me, Fran Fraschilla, his son's on staff at Villanova. And he told me after um, after last season, he's like, you need to keep a close eye on him. And, and I, I granted, I, I did see Villanova his freshman year and I thought he was good. Uh, but Fran, Fran kind of woke me up to him like, hey, this guy, this guy is legit. You know, he's got the growth mindset, really sharp kid. You know, teammates love him, coaches love him, just does all the little stuff. Uh, that, that you want to see in a young guy as far as, you know, t- taking care of business and, uh, you know, being a good teammate, you know, accountable defender. And, and he's really, he's really grown to be a, a terrific shooter. Like I think he's going to be uh, a guy that could really make, make an impact shooting the ball at the next level. Uh, you know, he's not a, he's not a big time athlete, uh, but you get everything out of him, which I, I love. And I just think he's going to be a guy that's going to maximize his potential. I, I could see him having a career kind of like a, maybe like a Shane Battier where, where he's never a star, uh, but he plays a really good mm. role for winning teams. Uh, he's just somebody, I, you know, I would want in, in, our, in our program, in our organization, um, you know, if I were working for a team. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think that, you know, Jay Wright does a great job with his players and really primes them to be very coachable, versatile players um, as we're talking around the, the mental side of things because that is a huge part of this because it is a – it's not easy. It's not, it's not easy making that step into the pros, but I do see him being someone with his size, with his ability to knock down shots. I like the Shane Battier uh, comparison. I'm not sure if I have a player that I would compare to yet, but I do think he's going to be a, a, a middle-of-the-pack player that's going to be able to just you know, consistently give you something off the bench, whether it's shots, whether it's um, you know, helping to you know, close out on defense, whatever it may be, I think he is going to be consistent which is going to allow him to really help a team that he goes to. Yeah, and I think you brought so, – I think, Matt, and I think I you uh, – sorry, I keep cutting you off. And I think you brought – No, no, go for it. I think you brought it. up a good point with Jay Wright, too. And that, that's one thing. You know, they've had so much success, you know, pumping out pros. Uh, and I think a lot of it is that they target the right guys recruiting. Also, that they, they, teach, mm-hmm. they teach guys to be pros pros. They play the right way. They play hard. They share the ball. They take good shots. Uh, that they, they hold themselves accountable. And so, I mean, it's, no, it's, it's not an accident that these guys are, are coming out of Villanova ready, ready to go and can step into the league and, and coexist and be good teammates and, and be productive. And so I think Sadiq falls right in line with the success they've had with, with kind of pumping out good NBA players. And that's exactly it. I think he's got the Nova, the Nova blood through and through. You look at the players that um, Coach Wright has had come out of there, whether it's Kyle Lowry or more recently players like Josh Hart and uh, Mikel Bridges and Jalen Brunson. You know, he has the, the Dante DiVincenzo. He has the ability to create 
but from the recruiting process, that's a great point. The personalities that he's bringing in, the types of players he's bringing in, and then molding them even more to be primed for the NBA because they're not players that tend, you know, they're, they tend to be three, four years into their college career before they're coming into the pros, not one and done type of a program. So I think he does really do a good job of building them long-term for the NBA to be good team players that are going to go into a franchise and just be able to help consistently. They might not lead the franchise, but they're going to be someone that is consistently bringing the same effort and, and abilities day in and day Absolutely. out. So looking across the board, you know, I, I'm definitely excited to see how this draft is going to shake out. There are a number of players. I know we didn't have a chance to deeply get into all of them because there's not enough hours in the day right now, but you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in, in the draft. So Matt, thank you so much for joining us here on Locked on Wizards. Where can people follow you to keep up with all that you've got going on as we're preparing for the NBA draft as of now in November, mid-November? We'll see if that changes at all, but I anticipate that that may stay the same as we're looking for the next season to begin in January. I have a feeling we're going to be looking at a mid-November draft right around Thanksgiving time. So where can people follow you to keep up with all that you've got going on? Sure. Yeah, no, I've got, I've got a lot going on. Uh, so for, first and foremost, uh, you know, our site, BabcockHoops.com. I mean, we're still, you know, pumping out a lot of draft, draft content. Uh, so you can find us on there. You can find me on Twitter at MattBabcock11. Uh, then I'm also uh, doing some stuff for CBS Sports HQ. Uh, working as an NBA draft analyst for them, doing, doing a number of shows. And then also I'm, I'm writing for uh, basketballnews.com, which is a pretty neat uh, site that was just, uh, just launched recently. And they put together, you know, a lot of former NBA players are, are, are doing podcasts and articles and whatnot. And uh, they, they got me involved with that to do some, uh, some draft coverage. So uh, kind of over the place, but, uh, you know, do my best to, to kind of keep, keep everybody uh, informed with, uh, with the draft. Love it. Booked and busy, Matt. You're booked and busy. <laughs> booked and busy Babcock to right, be like right. what you've got. <laughs> <laughs> but I thank you for joining us on Lockdown Wizards for two days as we had a chance to get into the NBA draft and discuss what's going to happen. And I appreciate you joining us. Hey, thanks, Renee. Keep, keep in touch. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Locked on Wizards. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend. Hit that subscribe button before you go so you can keep up with all of our content each and every day here on Locked on Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington. The NBA draft, that number nine pick for the Wizards. We've got to see what's going to happen. The Wizards need to pick correctly in the draft to find some key pieces around the team moving forward. And we are only just about a little over a month away as we're getting into, well, it's officially October. So yes, we are just about a month and a half away from draft day. Woo! That has a nice rhyme to it. Month and a half away from draft day. All right, guys, have a great week, and I'll see you back here on Monday for more Locked on Wizards. Washington, out. <laughs>